I'm a super loyal person as you know, I've been with Cobble Banker my entire career. I'm not a big like look over the shoulder kind of person to see what someone else is doing. I've never been like that. And I think it's bode well for me. My parents kind of taught me at a young age, like get in your lane, get on your horse, take your cattle, you know, your prod and just go straight with blinders because it doesn't really matter what anybody else is doing. Soar and others will soar around you. Welcome to In the Blue Zone, the real estate marketing podcast where difference makers and influencers from around Coldwell Banker discuss how to enjoy success, find inspiration, earn more money, and have fun building a business. Well, everybody, we are very, very glad to have Don McKenna on In the Blue Zone with us today. Don is one of the top Coldwell Banker agents in the United States, uh, maybe worldwide. Uh, and she is certainly the number one uh, agent in the state of Illinois, uh, started her business in 2003 uh, and has grown it to a multi-state, multi-person, multi-billion dollar enterprise. And so I think we can all learn a little bit from her experiences and what she has to share with us. So Dawn, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I, I, I'm just warning you. I, I'm a big, fat think tank and a brain dump. So who's ever listening, just get a piece of paper out. That's what I would do because I, I, if you could just like leave with like three nuggets that can help you pivot or think differently, like this was worth it. Love it. I like the way you think <laughs> right off the bat. Yeah. Well, we have this format on uh, where we talk about something old, something uh, new, something barred and something blue. We like to kind of just roll through that, but we let things go where they go too. So don't feel too rigid on that. Um, but I think something old, I'm just really interested to hear about your story, you know, and how you got started in the Chicagoland area. Uh, are you originally from Chicago? And how yeah, I real am. Estate? So it goes back. Um, I started in 2003. Um, I married my high school sweetheart in 1991. So I'm almost 31 years of marriage um, uh, with him and no breakups since I was 15. Um, I'm a super loyal person as, you know, I've been with Cobble Banker my entire career. I'm not a big, like, look over the shoulder kind of person to see what someone else is doing. I've never been like that. And I think it's bode well for me. My parents kind of taught me at a young age, like, get in your lane, get on your horse, take your cattle, you know, your prod and just go straight with blinders because it doesn't really matter what anybody else is doing. Soar and others will soar around you. And that's kind of stood with me for a long time so I would say like loyalty is a big deal to me and um and that's why you know even uh when I started my career it's sort of funny so I had when I, I started this career because I wanted to buy a couch okay that is the absolute truth and if I ever write a book it'll be, be called my couch because what happened was my husband's a lawyer he was like working crazy hours and whatever and I my family a contribution to our family income was I was a decorator and I say that because I wasn't a designer I didn't go to school for it I wasn't licensed I had a great eye I love style I love fashion I love design so I would take my houses and like do a number and even back in the day where I'd go to home goods and like curate the best stuff and then bring it and people would be like oh my god where'd you get that I'm like home goods Marshalls wherever and um I started flipping my houses 
And what happened is I created this relationship within my community of Hinsdale, which is 18,000 people where I raised my kids. It's very small. It's not Chicago's North Shore, so there's not like a lot of water. It's just like very cute, Norman Rockwell, great schools. It's adorable. But it's just interesting because it is the most expensive suburb in the whole state without water. It's kind of interesting, but at any rate. Um, so what happened was I wanted to get this couch and we bought this big, huge house. And my husband was like, okay, here's the deal. We do not, we don't have the money to be doing what you do and the whole thing, like one room at a time. And it's like one year at a time. I'm like, oh my God, I'll be dead by the time this house gets done. But at any rate, so I was like, hmm, if I sell, if I get my license and I sell one house for $1 million, and that's two and a half percent commission. That's twenty five grand. I could just buy the, the the couch. So, this is an interesting thing, and this is this is where the write down happens. So, my first the, an agent that I used. So I had bought uh, almost eight houses before two thousand three from this one agent. She was not with Cobble Banker because at the time everyone was really into boutique firms, not like you know big conglomerates or big national brands. And, um, I, I'm the type of person, like, if I like you and I believe in you, I'll be like, oh my God, you got to go to Jeff. He knows how to sell these glasses or he's got the greatest shoes or whatever the heck you're good at. And so I would tell everybody to use this person. So I got my license and I did that test where you go Monday through Friday and then you take the test on Friday. And I'll never forget it because on Saturday, my kids had a big party for me. They had balloons and we had a big cake. Congratulations to mom that she passed her test and blah, blah, blah. It was kind of neat for my kids to see that trajectory because for my husband, they didn't. They're like, he's a lawyer. They don't know what he does. You know what I mean? For right. me, it was different. They watched everything because, again, they were eight, six, four, and two. So fast forward, I get my license and I call this agent and I said, hey, I'm so excited. Like, I'll be your girl. Like, I'll turn on your lights. I'll open your doors. I'll set up your house, whatever you need. Like, I'm super excited just to get involved in real estate. I've given you so much business. Like, what do you think? And I quote, she said, lots of luck to you and hung up on me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, and <laughs> she lost millions of dollars and millions of opportunities because at the time I didn't even have a babysitter. Okay. That is the truth. And so I was coming out of mass. And this woman that was a friend of a friend was like, hey, Don, I heard you got your real estate license. I'm like, yeah, I did. She's like, you are going to be so good at this. I'm a Cobble Banker. You should come to Cobble Banker. I was like, all right. Well, Cobble Banker was a little like, to be honest, like name taggy for me, like sort mm-hmm. of um, vanilla, to be honest. Yeah. And I was like, okay, they weren't like big in Hinsdale, whatever, but whatever. So the next day, that was a Sunday. This is Monday. I mosey on into the Cobble Banker office with my four kids. Okay. Remember, two, four, six, and eight. And I had three <laughs> boys, one girl. And they weren't like a little shy. They were like, you know, <laughs> what's going on here? Do you guys have any candy? I mean, like crazy. Yeah. So <laughs> the manager, who was a great person, she was like, we'd love to have you. I'm like, well, how much is this to join? I don't know. It was like $2,800 or something. I was like, oh, God, now I got to make another 28,000, not the 25,000. Anyway, long and short is the very next day, I got a call from a very good friend of mine who was going through some serious um, issues in her home. And she called me up and said, listen, I know you just got your real estate license. I know you don't know what you don't know, but if there was anybody that I trusted that has discretion, that has that look that I would want my, at my front door, it's you. Can you come over here? 
And so I went over there and it was a $5 million house. And um, what she was going through was really, really hard. And she wanted protection and she wanted privacy, but she also needed to get some direction. Like she had great eye too, but she, she was overwhelmed. So I'm like, get rid of this. You got to get all these animals out of here. I mean, she had bunnies bouncing around and 15,000 armoires. I'm like, Jesus, we got to edit the heck out of this place. So we edited, I helped her. I mean, it, we, we, we got a Home Depot truck for 1999. I mean, it was, it was a wild time. Anyway, what happened was I, I had it all set. And I, if I wasn't a realtor, I would be like Martha Stewart. I would be, I love entertaining. I love when my kids come home from college or like if you guys came to my house for dinner, like the house would be clean. Like there'd be the right music on like Fleetwood Mac or James Taylor or Sade or whatever I was in the mood for. And like, I love to cook and I like people to feel good. And I like them to leave feeling better than they came to be honest. And so I took that to real estate. So mm. that house I put on the market and I had 140 realtors come th through. So what I did was I had this big tour on a non-tour day and I put this big ad in the, our local newspaper with not the front of the house with all these like really cool editorial shots of the inside of the house and said, guess what's coming on? Please join me tomorrow for a beautiful um, luncheon to see this beauty, okay? And I had a line out the door, and it was my first time ever doing a charcuterie board. But remember, this was in 2003. That wasn't a charcuterie board then. Like, I cool had yet. made this big wave of, like, just little sweet nibbles, and they had, like, this little cupcake tin that they could eat it out of. Anyway, there was just an experience. <laughs> I tried to create experience. Anyway, long and short of it is a buyer came through that, through me, and there was $10 million in real estate in two days. Okay? So that catapulted wow. me because, A, someone believed in me, but it was also, and I'll never forget that, um, but it was also must have been the way I carried myself before because this wasn't like a very close friend of mine. This was someone that was on a couple of my kids' baseball teams and once in a while we'd sit in the stands together. So mm -hmm. it, it, it is about the lifestyle you lead before you ask for that business. So I must have earned that in some way, shape, or form. She didn't, didn't feel sorry for me. I wasn't destitute. You know, it wasn't like that. So I would say... Um, that that is kind of what shaped my career wanting the couch going to cobble banker because of a, a person that said hey you should go to cobble banker i don't know if i would have thought about cobble banker first but it was just i was at the right place at the right time and i didn't even know she got any money off me <laughs> she said i carried her through for first three years but at any rate um what i did which was sort of interesting so that same woman that recruited me for cobble banker was like listen um, I'll help you any way I can. And I'm like, okay, well, I had like three listings at that point. And then we did an open house and I was like, oh my gosh, do you want, this is another interesting thing. We went to a bakery to have coffee and I'm like, listen, I don't even have a babysitter yet. I know how to sell and I know how to like get the house to teed up, but like, I don't know anything about the computer. I don't know how to put this listing in. I don't know anything. Do you want to just partner? And I signed this, this napkin at the bakery that said, so-and-so and Don McKenna 
will be fit partners, 50%. And I gave it to her to sign and she gave it back to me. She's in, she moved to Australia and her career winded down and things didn't go exactly the way she wanted it to. But I'll never forget this. She gave it back to me and said, I can't do this. You're going to be a star. You're going to make a ton of money. And this is not going to, this is not going to turn out the way you think it's going to. Wow. And she, so here in my career, so she looked ahead. it was crazy. And, and she still jokes about it. God almighty, I should have <laughs> signed that darn napkin and framed it. Anyway, so what happened was I had moseyed mm. back into the um, office and, and I would say one of the things that I did early on in my career that I think actually helped me capitalize on my skills was I stuck in the lane I was good at. I know how to network. I know how to sell. I know how to close. I like people. But like all that other stuff, I'm really bad at. And it's a it's a real bog down for me. Mm-hmm. So I hired an assistant before I hired a um, babysitter. And my assistant is still with me. And she turns 85 this year. She oh is part-time. I told her I'll never release her. She has a job with me for the rest of her life, whether she wants to work at it or not, I don't care because without her and my other assistant, there's no way I could have done this. Um, Especially still be married, still be a good mom, which is very important to me. This is not my life. This is my career that has allowed me to have a better life. But at the end of the day, I have parameters and number one is my husband and family, period. So she respected that and she said, I don't want my name in a marquee. I will handle everything. I know how to put listings in. I know how to create brochures. I know how to put something in the newspaper. I'm like, oh my God, hallelujah. And the funny thing is at the time, God, that was 20 years ago. She was 65. She's like, I just can't make more in order to get my Medicare. I go, well, what do you need to make? And she told me the salary. So I said, okay, fine. So not many people would, you know, drop down 40, 50 grand or whatever it was at the beginning when they only had like one listing. But I did because I felt like, I'm helping her. She's going to help me. And worst case scenario, I'll break even. But it 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 won't like overwhelm me. So to this day, I don't have a computer. This this <laughs> I'm on right now is one of my team members from Naples, and I don't like if it goes out, we're done. I don't even know what to do. So um, I do everything on this phone, everything. So um, it's sort of an interesting play. So that was a long winded. Um, what shaped you? But I hope that helps. Well, I think you answered a whole lot of our questions in one one answer, which is well, pretty I cool. Well, I have a question, actually. So. Did you ever buy the couch? Yes, <laughs> Madison. Of course I did. It was $22,000. That sounded like a complete idiot that I spent $22,000 on the couch. Today, I can afford $22,000 couch, and I wouldn't spend $22,000 on a couch. It's dumb. But at the time, because I was a designer, a decorator, and I was going to Holly Hunt, and I was I was so committed to design, and I, I just saw so many new things. I'll never forget, it was Metaliano, and it was this beautiful uh, a gray dyed, beautiful leather sofa that was all done on like one continuous hide. It was the coolest thing, and I have it in my basement. <laughs> it's uh, so stupid I, I i don't even know i can't get rid of it and it will it will be the picture on my book someday if i ever if i the ever couch. write it what I color was it gray you said gray gray okay it would have been cool it was a red couch or something yeah. like that but oh, yeah well, it's gray, gray, we'll gray with chocolate brown 
Cool. You're a neutral color person, I think, right? You know what? It's funny you say that because I have I have a lake house, I have a primary house, and of course I have a house in Naples. And so um, I am a big, like, I love white. And you'll see, I wear a lot of white, I wear a lot of nude, I wear a lot of light pink. Like, I kind of decorate how I dress, but I get sick of the same. So once in a while, I'll, like, throw it up and I'll, like, be in red or yellow or whatever. So what I've done is I've tried to make each house... They, you can walk into it and be like, oh, God, this is so done. And my kids know that. But, like, each house has a little different personality. So I'm redoing my house in Naples. My house in, in, in Burridge is, like, all white. It's all white. But my house in Naples is, like, an, a wallpaper explosion. It's, like, layers upon <laughs> layers. And I wanted each room, when you sleep, you don't know where you are. Like, you're in a hotel in Palm Beach or you're in a hotel in central pay. I don't know. So, so yeah. what, what I'm trying, well, well, that's to be continued. That'll be the podcast that we, I actually, yeah, give honestly, you yeah, the, the before and after pictures. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah All yeah. right. So I think, so I think a great segue to that is that, you know, the whole idea of focusing on, you obviously didn't deliberately fall into the luxury market in Chicago, but you had positioned yourself so that people knew you, that you're in the right neighborhood with the right home prices and stuff. So you, you know, you had some early opportunities in that space right away in 2003. So, you know, how did you, or what did you come to the strategic uh, decision that this made sense financially to just go that direction and even push double down on the luxury, the home, and then you know, even, did even luxury as a concept, was that like a market strategy at the time or was it just like expensive houses versus not expensive houses like you know what I mean like in Chicago you know everything's what? expensive <laughs> I, so. I guess I guess like I am a big believer that like you can't sell luxury unless you're living it and I'm not saying you have to be in a multi-million dollar house because I wasn't when I first started um I'm from the south side of Chicago and so is my husband my dad was a school teacher my mom was a, a homemaker and so was my husband's mom and his dad was a fireman. We come from very, very modest means. I don't think my dad ever made more than $44,000 a year in his lifetime. However, my mom was very bougie and she had a great eye and she was always about like, like it's how you carry yourself. It's what you say and how you say it. So my mom always had her hair done, always had her makeup on, always had painted nails. I don't remember my mom ever not had like a chip nail. Oh, that would be like death by a thousand cuts to my mom. So she was very big on that and pull yourself together and sort of fake it till you make it. And so what happened was every Sunday growing up, my mom and I would go to open houses and we'd pull up and we had no business being at any of these open houses, but we were like the notorious people. I'm sure people were like, did you see, you know, Barb and her daughter again? And we would just dream and look for ideas and then come home and like work on it. My mom was like, if Google was where it was today back then, I mean, my mom, we'd, we'd go in the library, the library to figure out how to repaint or varnish a table because she didn't like the color anymore. So she was like super resourceful, but like very into like going to department stores that's where you get your first glimpse of fashion, but also how they display that fashion or like window shopping. She was big on that. So she taught me at a very young age, like 
see way ahead of yourself. Don't just look right in front of you. And so when my husband and I got married, I wanted to go to the nicest suburb that had the best schools um, uh, that I could afford. And my parents always said, like, be the, the least expensive house anywhere you go. So I took them very literally. So we were going to go to the North Shore, but my mom didn't drive the highway. So she was like, I can't help you. I'm like, oh, good grief. So we went to Hinsdale. And when we got there, we realized that a lot of people that were there actually had some connection to where I grew up. They weren't always, you know, five layers of wealth. And so our first house was $235,000. My husband had worked at a law firm for three years. I worked at the Northern Trust. And... Excuse me. And we bought this house that was so cute. I still love it so much. Three bedroom, one and a half bath, no finished basement, right next door to the Montessori school. So my my driveway was like shared with the Montessori school, Montessori school driveway. And my parents came to see it. And we're like, what in the heck are you doing? It's frame. It should be brick. I mean, they were just old fashioned South Side. Here, <laughs> there's so much maintenance. This is a Sears Roebuck house. Done this is going to be so much maintenance, like balloon framing, blah, blah, blah. His dad was freaked out that it was going to burn down. <laughs> and it did, by the way, but that's the story for a different time. They were right <laughs> about that. But we made a fortune on that house for the dirt, which is sort of funny. But then my mom was like, in this Montessori school, like she was very like traditional. She, she's like, oh God, you got to move out of here. All these kids, they're running around out back with no coats on. This is <laughs> terrible. Like, I mean, it was just so funny. Like, she was like, oh, my God, they, I, I watched them out there. They're like, Lewis, put your coat on. Lewis says, I don't want to put my coat on. They're like, okay, then freeze. I mean, that was like a Montessori way. But this is sort of funny. But anyway, so, but it was right in town. And my, I remember my dad saying, what the heck? You can hear the train. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I know, Dad. But I'm just telling you, like, that's what a commuter wants. Like, commuters want to be close to everything and, like, grab their coffee and go to the train. He's like, oh. I grew up on the railway. I wouldn't do that. I mean, it was just so funny how like old fashioned, like just people. It, so somehow, some way I thought, wait, being by the train is not a bad thing. Anyway, I think, I think to your, to your point, we lived the life, but to say we lived the life, was I driving a Bentley? No, I was driving a beat up purple suburban, but it was about, socializing and my kids taking my kids here or being at a baseball game or a soccer game or being the snack mom or going to school and you know being the art mom or whatever and, and, and it was your personality that gets you very far but I was also astute enough to understand like what was going on around me and so um, when I started selling in 2003 we had a house our house burnt down, the one with the balloon framing, by the way. And we went to a rental and then we bought this new construction house. And it was 718000 at the time. And it was just being drywalled. So I went in and asked the builder to do a bunch of different things that they had never seen before. Even my husband was like, are you doing this just to do it because no one's done it before? Or do you like this? I'm like, I think it's so cool. And it was black honed granite because I didn't like the shiny. And that was like in the day everyone was doing like the Uba Tuba. Do you guys remember that? You you probably do, Betsy. Like, I was like, I don't want that. I want something super cool. And so <laughs> at, at the end of the day, that's what I did. And that house became a little bit of kind of a showcase 
for what was to come. And no one had ever seen anything like that before. And it, it kind of helped put me on the map in terms of, wow, she's got good taste. Yeah, that's important in the luxury market. And you're very forward thinking. Um, it just sounds like you got that from your mother. Yep, 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 yep. She was, yeah. she was, I always say she was pretty bougie. She, she, she shouldn't have been bougie, but she was bougie. So let's distill that down a little bit for somebody who wants to make change, maybe somebody younger, you know, maybe somebody midlife, whatever, and they want to, and they're in the real estate business and they recognize that, you know, like you said, a million dollar commission gets me 25,000 in, in GCI right, or in take home. So how, what's the, what are good steps that they can take, you know, other than uprooting their family and moving to an affluent neighborhood? Like what are the, what are the steps they can take in their market? I don't care if it's, you know, the Philly market or DC or, you know, I don't know, Cincinnati, it doesn't matter. Like, what can they do to uh, to move in that direction? And what can they cultivate in themselves uh, professionally to to move in that direction? I think you 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 need to live the life. And and like when I was opening up Naples, I it was a grind. It's very expensive. But I was like, you guys have to be there full time. Like you can't. I don't think you could. I don't think you do a service to clients. Um, selling in an affluent market without living the lifestyle, to be honest. And I don't think it matters that whether or not you're in a million dollar, $2 million, $5 million house. I just think like if you can find a rental there and then you can go to the local coffee shop and start talking to people or getting your kids involved in different things. For me, I got lucky. My kids were really, really social and um, they were seven years from top to bottom. So I was very involved with them. So I, wherever they were, I was right there. And so I met a lot of people through that. And that's how I met my first, the, the $5 million. Um, we were, we were baseball games together and we would talk about design and all that stuff. And so I think you've got to put yourself out there a little bit more, but it was all natural for me. Like I wasn't doing it because I thought I was going to be a realtor. I was doing it because I actually like was interested in what she was saying or she was interested in what I was saying or when I first got my license I'd be at a game and there'd be a rain out we'd have like a two-hour delay I'm like you guys I gotta go there's like three open houses that I really want to see and they're like wait wait where are you going so I would like throw all these people in my car and go to this house do you know what I mean like it's it's a it's a sort of energy about it and I also think though that you can do a lot of research, you can do a lot of reading, you can get involved in a lot of, whether it's the local church or whether it's the Chamber of Commerce or whether it's um, you know, being part of the farmer's market or whatever it is, so that you get a lot of visibility. I think mm-hmm. that's like super important. And I think you know, just going and trying to do someone's open house, uh, if you don't know where the school is and you don't know, you're in an open house, I can't tell you how many times people are at open houses. In fact, you talk about like the most embarrassing thing. Um, this is how I realized local expert global reach. This is this is what my mission was for the Don McKenna group because what happened as we all um, kind of get drawn into this is when you're in real estate, the answer is yes. So if you get a call, like for, for Hinsdale, I got a call to go do a house in Lombard, okay? And I was like, oh yeah, Lombard, I'll do it. Terrible mistake because I didn't know anything about Lombard and I go there and, you know, like I said, I was a mom. So I'm like getting the kids off to school, doing this, getting, you know, I was the orange juice mom for the day and doing all this stuff, running to this open house. I look like a jerk. I was sitting there. I'd never been in the house before. 
I, I didn't know where the schools were. I didn't even know where the train was. I didn't even know what direction the yard was facing. And I wasn't prepared. And I think a lot of people just think this is easy and that they don't do preparation. And, and I always say, like my husband always says, like, I always say I'm lucky. And he says, okay, luck favors the prepared. Be prepared and don't take on things that you don't know about. That's where Don McKenna, like Don McKenna and Don McKenna group was born. There was not a question someone can ask me about my hometown that I don't know the answer to. There's not a question. I don't have to say, let me think about this. Let me get back to you. I know what I'm doing there because what I have 70% of the market share and I've had that for 20 years. That's what I kind of the secret sauce that I wanted to take to grow the brand and grow the group. So like in the city of Chicago, mm. you can't be on the Don McKenna group as an agent unless you're full time. Number one, number two, unless you live there because you cannot sell in luxury unless you are living that lifestyle day, day to day, I think. And I don't. I think you're doing this, this uh, service to your client. Yeah, you're like pretending. Yeah, yeah, totally. So that's a great, that leads into another question, which I think is great. It's a great lead in. It's something new, right, for our, our met methodology here is, you know, you decided at some point that your clients were telling you, Hey, why aren't you in Naples? Why aren't you down south where we fly in the winter? And, you know, those conversations and you were just so how did you kind of get flip the switch to like, why not? Well, I had a house here um, probably about nine years ago and I really you're in Naples for the listeners in, that are in Naples. Sorry, I had a house <laughs> right now as we speak. <laughs> Sorry. And um, what happened was all these people were constantly talking about Naples. And the truth was when I first came down here 20 years ago, I was like, Meh. like for those of you who can't see, it was a big thumbs down. I was like, what is the, the draw to this place? And boy, <laughs> when I came back, my brother-in-law, who's actually my team lead for um, Naples, he was renting a house that lo and behold was my client's house at the time, but I didn't know it. So he invited my husband and I down and we looked around and he was like, look at this, look at this. And we would walk to town sort of like simulation, simulating Nap uh, Hinsdale for me, walking to town and seeing all this new construction and every new construction was like better than the next. I was like, God, there's something cool going on here. The beach was, I, I must've been in the wrong part of Naples back when I <laughs> had my opinion. So I told you at, earlier in this podcast that I'm one of these people, like when I find something that's cool or that I think somebody else could, you know, be interested in, I talk about it. So I was like, God, Naples is awesome. I had no idea. It's like, you know, there's so much meat on the bone there. And I, I still think there is here, even though right now it's like so darn expensive, but we can get into that later. But I think so what happened was I started talking about it. So therefore then people started talking to me about it. And it was like that shampoo commercial and so on and so on and so on. Like <laughs> someone was like, oh my God, Don McKenna was just talking about this. And so I was getting a lot of referrals. So I was throwing these like golden footballs to usual suspects who happened to be three gentlemen that were the top agents here in Naples. And you're great. I'm going to get my 25%. Someone's going to buy a $2 million place. It's going to be awesome. Well, it didn't turn out that way. And I had a billionaire who wanted a place in Port Royal just to put his boat. I set him up with this guy and he calls me back. He goes, you, I am never going to use that guy. He is the worst. 
And he <laughs> told me that he can't give me real estate advice. So why the heck would I use him? So I, he bought, he goes, but you're going to be real excited when I tell you. I went to an open house today and I bought a $15 million house. Okay. So a light bulb went off in my head thinking, okay, A, what an idiot that guy was. But B, <laughs> I just lost out on a ton of money for a referral. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, maybe that was just a one-off. So then I had a friend that um, saw an opportunity here and she had built about nine homes here that were like these beautiful little cottages. And she was down to her last four. And I gave her a couple of these guys and I gave her one guy and she's, you know, he had it for six months and he couldn't do anything with it and she didn't like his style. So then I gave her the second guy. And she said, go over there and um, find out, like, what's going on. So I walked in the house, and some assistant was there. And she had two houses next door to each other. So I was like, well, how much is the house next door? Is it the same builder? She's like, oh, I have no idea. Is the house next door for sale? I mean, it's unbelievable. This is a top, mm. top dog. I would never mention their names. But, like, this is, like, someone at my level at this point. Okay? So I'm like, oh, my God, good grief. So she said to me, Don, will you just do the Don McKenna group there? And she had known my brother-in-law who had moved down here to watch my project. And she's like, just put him, get his license, whatever. I want your marketing. I want your reach. And I want your energy around my properties. I'd rather this. We tried the usual suspects. It's not working. So that's mm -hmm. how the Don McKenna group was born. And my brother-in-law had recruited this gal, Victoria Clark Payton, who uh, was from London, who had a lot of experience in real estate and said, I think this could be a good pivot. So the three of us started the Don McKenna Group five years ago. The Don McKenna Group has only been um, a thing for five years. That's what people don't understand. Right. 2017, like five, yeah. Six years ago, I was a single agent with two assistants. Mm -hmm. So that, this is the interesting thing. So they focused and we blew it out of the water in terms of marketing and how we handled those projects and we sold them all and at the time they were records and um we capitalized that and people saw it and it, it was like one of those things that it just was like a snowball it was like a tumbleweed that just got bigger and bigger and bigger mm -hmm. but i have to say um i have a special place in my heart for a couple of those people that thought of us that encouraged us that we earned their business and they were the catalyst to us having an extraordinary business. Yeah. And having the record sale doesn't hurt either. No, local, that was really local, good. Uh, you know. That was good. But that'll go to show you. So my brother-in-law in Victoria, <laughs> when they started this, my brother-in-law was a, a finance in finance. He was a, a, a trader at the Board of Trade. He was a broker. He didn't know anything about real estate. I mean, he was a user. He owned a lot of properties, flipped a lot of properties, but like had people that had people that handled it. So there was a real um, challenge there because I'm trying to teach an old dog new tricks. And mm -hmm. then I've got this other agent that's been working kind of in a silo her whole life. And I needed to explain to them and help them understand. You talk about luxury, like you got to live this. And neither of them had kids, neither of them were married. So they had the exact opposite of, you know, I had it probably easier because my, my kids paved away for me or my yeah. husband was coaching with some other guy that said, yeah. Hey, tell your wife to come see me at my house, whatever. They didn't have that. So it just goes to show it can be done, but they lived the lifestyle. They poured their heart and soul into what they were doing. 
I mean, um, to the point of even their looks changed, like, to be honest, like the, the you know, being on brand is very important of what my, my clients want, you know, I mean, my clients aren't like, cheese balls where they want to be picked up in like some, you know, I don't know, Ferrari. That's just not me. But what I do in Hinsdale and in Illinois is a primary market. That's like, you know, they're, they're sitting on my kids, you know, French fries from five days ago, looking at houses where here it's a lifestyle. If they're a golfer, they go with him. If they're a pickleball player, they'll go with another one of my team members. They're selling a lifestyle. They take these people to breakfast, lunch. They show them the beach. They show them the bike paths. They show them where they're getting their coffee every day. Mine's different. So you you really do have to know what the heck you're talking about. I mean, to the point where, like, you know, my brother-in-law joined one of the best golf clubs there is. Took him four years to do it, but he did it. Like, these are the things that people have to understand. You got to invest to make money. Yeah. You know what I did? Um, my husband's a really smart guy and he um, was the CEO of a couple companies. He's a lawyer. He's a businessman. And he is actually like people talk about coaching and coaches. And I don't have a coach, but he's like my coach because at the end of the day, he taught me to think differently. You know, most realtors just go through it and they're like just selling real estate. They don't take it that seriously and they don't consider it like a big multi-million dollar business. And he brand. taught me to, to think differently and like you have a brand. And, and I always say like I am like if Goldman Sachs and Christian Dior had a baby, it would be DMG. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, I, I really started reading more and understanding you know, okay, in a recession, where's the inverted yield cor curve? Like, I, I understand, like, what happens with interest rates, supply, demand. Like, all these things that you learned mm -hmm. in college that you really didn't care about, like, I'm now <laughs> applying. And I'm serious. Like, in scalability, what scales, what doesn't? You know, we talk about, like, something blue, like what I love about Cobble Banker. There's plenty mm -hmm. of things I love about Cobble Banker, two of which are, like, the network. Like, I, I understand now being with a company that is big allows for me to reach out and connect with hundreds of thousands of people in the world that can help me. Yes, obviously in business to make more money. That I learn from these people and they learn from me. And, and that is just, you, 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 you can't pay for that. That's what, I mean, it sounds priceless, but like people just don't understand. And we, I have, you know, when, when the COVID hit, I mean, my goodness, we were getting on with New York and Miami and LA and we all threw ourselves on a zoom. We're like, how do you use the zoom? Jade, put it to the right. I mean, what's going on there? What's going on there? I mean, we knew it before the CNN or Fox. To be honest, we we knew what was going on in the world before they did. We, we saw trends way before they did. And you can only do that when you have a huge company behind you. And we talk about data. I mean, they're big data, like 40,000 contracts doesn't mean anything compared to 4 billion. Like it's just different people. I, I, I've learned and to understand this more in a macroeconomic scale than just micro. And that's the whole local expert global reach we speak of. So, um, I also think that, um, you know, I've had to learn to scale 
because I had 22 team members, five different offices, um, two different states, and growing. So we just um, launched, did a soft launch for Michigan and Indiana, the new Buffalo area. Mm-hmm. And at the by the end of the year, we will be serving Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, because these are feeder markets. So I'll have five states and possibly up to 30 people. And mm-hmm. so, so we need tools that can help us scale, that make sense for Florida. Or if Victoria is talking to somebody in Michigan, they're, they're feeding off the same system. So um, Moxie and um, Listing Concierge have been like game changers for us. I, I think like I, uh, you know, when you asked me, I think, what are my favorite CB tools? Those are them. And, and I'm not gonna sit here and say I know every tool cause I don't, um, but I do know those. And you know, from our brochures and how we do them, they are all very DMG-ified. Nobody else has them. And it once mm-hmm. people start copying them, then we do a rebrand and a refresh and, it's, and we are able to do that. So, but our mm-hmm. website, <laughs> to your point, Madison, our website, our Instagram, like the Don McKenna group, our brochures, our marketing, our Moxie presentation, all has the same vibe, if you will, and and that's branding. And so, couple bankers help me be able to do that and scale all the way through. This is new. This team thing is new. I, I mean, yeah. Well, what are we? The number one, the number two team in the United States for couple banker, and the number three or number eight amongst every agency in the world. Like the, we are trailblazing. This is is a trailblazer thing. And I don't have my kids working for me. I don't have my husband working for me. The only relative I have is my brother-in-law and he's in a completely different state than I am. This is, this is a different scalability. And so um, I, I, I'm happy that I have a company that does nothing but push us to the front of the line and is nimble. I mean, to be a publicly traded mm-hmm. company and be nimble and say, hey, you know, we, we don't have a solution for that, but we're working on it, Don. Give us a week to try to dig down more for your numbers and try to figure out how we do this. Um, it's cool. Yeah. Did I answer and by, and by the way, Madison, the website is built by Luxury Presence, which is one of our partner companies. So it's yeah. uh, yes. Luxury a banker tool. is awesome. Yep. It's a Coable Banker tool. Um, I didn't include that in my tools, but yes, it is a tool yep. um, because I was one of the founding members and I'm on the board. <laughs> I, I just feel like the, that that has helped me. I by the way, I didn't have a website um, before that. Right. Mm. Well, it's interesting that you you know listing concierge. For, you know, and I'm, you know most people listening to this that are cold banker realty agents know what listing concierge is. And you and I think that maybe one of the mis- misconceptions or perceptions of listing concierge is it's kind of like an every man's product that it's not something that would be you know. Uh, exclusive per se, or, you know, and if you're an and there might be a perception that if you're an agent that is, you know, in working in a more verified era of the market, that that would be not good enough service for your clients, but you're using it with a lot of success on some of the most expensive real estate in the area. And you guys, you know, it's, it's, I've used it on $35 million properties. What people don't understand is you can customize it and we we have a very bespoke, I'm looking for one, but they can't even see it. They can reach out to me if they want to see one of our brochures. But 
every year we come up with something different. I'm super excited what we came up with with this one. And you can customize it and scale. Like usually custom and scale are like dichotomies. They're, they're, they're right. not a word that is used together. And the fact that we can do that is awesome. So don't, don't, they, they need to think a little, little bit more out of the box. And, you know, a lot of people I hear, I get this all the time where it's like, oh, okay, that's $300 versus $500. Oh my gosh. Like we're making so much money on some of these things, even if it's a $700,000 play. Like this isn't just about one listing. It's about taking this. I take my brochures to almost every listing presentation mm -hmm. and, you know, I curate them based on like who I'm talking to. So say I'm sitting talking to someone that's like a million five, I'm going to show them houses between a million and two million that we've done to show them what we're going to do for them. So this isn't just about one thing. You know, I think a lot of realtors only look like literally like they're just like looking forward, like one step. You got to think yeah. 15 steps ahead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. I love that. And then uh, one last question on that, on that particular area. And that's the coal banker be specific, the global luxury brand, right? So, mm -hmm. so you're forging your own path with the DMG branding. Um, you know, where do you see the global luxury brand? We did Michael Altnew as a guest earlier in the year, He's the best. Uh, you He's know, the best. and so, you know, what, what's your uh, take on global, the Cold Bank of global luxury brand? And for somebody who's getting started, like we've been talking about the last hour, you know, about getting into the business, about living the lifestyle, about following the business where it is, you know, how can they use that brand? Where do you see that brand as far as being relevant uh, to you even, you know, at this point and okay. something newer? I I, I think it's awesome. And I was an integral part of it. Um, I was one of the um, ones when they were, it, when the, when the logo was being incubated, if you will, mm. I was like, you guys, please do a circle, please do a circle. Like, and, and can we just do black and white? No offense to blue. You know, I got a little blue on, yeah, yeah, whatever, no, but I like, get it. black and white just translates well online and in print. And it just looks like Tom Ford, if you look at some of the biggest mm. brands from Gucci to Dior to Tom Ford to Chanel, they're all black and white. And and it it, it creates a little bit of, um, how do I say, like white space, you know what I mean? And then mm. that black is bold. So it's the juxtaposition of like soft and bold, which I really like. And then this way, when you build your own brands, you can infuse whether you like yellow or whether it's navy or whether it's green, and it all looks good together. So like all of my um, logos and, and color passions are like very muted, like the nudes, the silvers, the golds, the rose golds, the whites, the creams, and the black. Um, that's me, but that's how I dress. That's very, that's something that's gone on in my world since I was young. You know what I mean? Like they, you know, everybody's got that different style. I, I would say the cool thing about what we do is that's like a canvas and then everybody can be their authentic self. And that's mm -hmm. the thing. I think a lot of people copy a lot of different people. And I think the reason why we come off so authentic is because we were like, we did not look at somebody else's stuff and say, I want to do it just like that. And, and you got to kind of just dig deep a little bit because you all have something really cool to, to add value and, and, and to be relevant. And I think that's important for people to know. And I think Cobble Banker like encourages that. Um, and and yeah. for such a big company that wants their logo front and center, I think 
the global luxury is like the best thing we ever did. And the box and the black and white and the way everything looks, I use every single um, piece of collateral we have. The report, love it. Um, it's all customizable. So if you don't want, if you don't have a marketing team, yeah, I have, yes, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I have a lot of brains on this team. So remember at the beginning, I told you that I stuck to one thing. I know how to network and I know how to sell. And then I brought yeah. all these people on that are as, as smart or smarter than me and are really <laughs> good at their craft. And I let them do it. Um, I think the global luxury brand has it, it, if you don't have any of those people, that alone is a competitive advantage. When you sit there and you open the book box and it's got that little crisp like Velcro sound and you can put some of your stuff in there, even if you're printing it out off of home base, it, it looks better. It's not just a bunch of papers wrapped into a binder. It, 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 mm. it feels more luxurious and it, it's expensive. It was expensive. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so good. Well, this has been a very quick hour, I have to say. Uh, and we really appreciated everything you said. Someone doesn't get three tips out of this. I don't know how they're going to get yeah. three tips because this is it's an awful lot of density in all this. I I have to say, like my my husband inspires me a lot. We go on our like 30 minute walks and I feel like super rejuvenated. And like, I, I, my head is one of these things that like, I need to keep it uh, uh, like, like an agenda and a structure. Otherwise there's like 500,000 things in there and I forget where I am. And he helps <laughs> me kind of, he reads a ton and he's in business and he understands things at a, a different level than I do sometimes. So he breaks it down for me when I ask questions and he's a big podcaster and a big reader. Um, I really, um, so my, my son is in the Air Force Special Forces pipeline and um, we had to kind of really be nimble with that as you can imagine a, a parent. And it was funny because like he, I kept saying to him, like, just trust the process. The results will come. Like, don't focus on like, oh my God, like, am I going to make this or am I going to, you know, stop drowning after 10 hours or all these terrible things that they put him through. Just, just keep walking and moving forward, like left foot, mm. right foot, and just trust the process. Don't worry about if you're going to make it or not. And it was kind of funny because I realized that's how I built Don McKenna Group, but I didn't mm -hmm. realize it while I was doing it but I just was focused on the process. I did not know where I was at the end of the year. The only reason I know this now is because I'm running a big business and I have a lot of people depending on me. So the burden's on me to let them know like where we are, how you doing, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I have to do that now. But when I was doing it till 2017, I had no idea how much I made for the year or I had no idea what the volume was, any of that. And so I think that's like super important because people get so worried, like, oh my God, am I going to sell $10 million or am I going to get my first listing and whatever, just focus on the process, I think helps. I think, um, there's this book that I refer to a lot and I read it all the time. I probably read it once a week and, or read an excerpt from it. And, um, this is where your, your people should write this down. It's called make your bed. And this was the kind of crazy, I had three boys and one girl, and this was, like in my kids' Christmas stockings from my husband every year. Um, and it, it basically, this General McRaven um, was a Navy SEAL and 
Um, they were responsible for bringing bin Laden down. And he basically talks about like little things matter. And it's the little things that have been big ripple effects. And it talks about like grab yourself a partner in life and lifeful, life is better together. And that team spirit is really what could be the change in the movement. And there's no way I could have done this without my husband and my kids. No way. But there's also no way I could have done this at this level without a great team on my side. And like, I'm not like a monarchy. Like, I'm not like, this is what we're doing. And they're like, we don't want to do that. I'm like, okay, why don't you want to do it? All right. And they're like, that's a terrible idea. We're not doing that. Okay, fine. Like it's, it's a synergy. I feel I, I never want to do this by myself. And, and if you notice anytime I'm at a speaking engagement or anything I'm doing, I always have like my assistant with me or another salesperson or a marketing person. Like you're just better together. And I think that's like super important in real estate. And I talk about this word. I, I think I made it up. It's called coopetition. <laughs> I'm not even sure it's in the dictionary, but it's basically like we're all competitors but but I chose to like cooperate because at the end of the day, high tide rises all boats. And if we're all trying to do the same thing, there's plenty of real estate to go around. And I think if you can grab somebody and not say, oh, my God, am I going to give her 50 percent and blah, blah, blah. It's, it's so ridiculous because at the end of the day, you can do so much more when you have more people that share your vision and that yeah. are in it to win it with you. It's way too small a business to do that. Right. Right, 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 right. It always comes oh, but back. I have a podcast. I have a podcast that um I just listened to that I thought was so good. Um, my husband, I got that from my husband, and it was like the story of LVMH, and like there was one on Rolex and there's one on Hermes, and it talks about branding. I think it's like <laughs> super, super um interesting um from a branding standpoint, and I think consistency, purity, authenticity, not being a sellout is like kind of the common motifs of these things. And I think they're, they're pretty cool. I listen to a lot of military podcasts, obviously, because my son's in the military, but I also, my older son is the president of a cybersecurity risk management firm. He's got eight offices throughout the country. He's 28 years old. He's kind of like Doogie Hauser. He's really, really smart. He speaks a couple different languages. And I've learned a lot from him and my daughter. She was in private equity. She's in business intelligence, data analytics. So like, Everything's so data-driven now that I, I'm really leaning into that world. And then my baby is a baseball player at Washington State. I have three kids right now in the state of Washington, which is, like, crazy. Because, like, it's not like we're Pacific Northwest people. I don't know how that <laughs> happened. But so I, I think also on my team, I mean, we have someone from London. We have somebody. We have some Chicago people. We have people that are golfers, pickleball players, tennis players, equestrians. You know, mm. there, there's just a lot of. You know, we have four different languages on the team. I mean, together, I think we have 36 kids together. And um, over, I, I counted yesterday, over 272 years of experience on our team, which is crazy. So so I think, I think also, too, like with all the data, that's so important. Like every single person, if they've at least done, you know, a couple transactions, has something to bring to the table. So maybe they were the highest sale price per square foot that week, that day, whatever. I think people don't realize how they can pull stats together. Um, one of the new things I'm working on, and I'll get back to you on this, but you hear, heard it here first is um, I, it was two years in the making 
is another thing my husband helped me do. But um, um, I put together uh, technology where everything in my brain is at a glance for my team. And who knows where we take that. But that, that'll be a cool reveal. Maybe I'll reveal it on the next podcast you have me on. <laughs> wow, everything in your brain. Wow. <laughs> yeah, everything is in my brain, which is could be Which is a lot. Just letting you know. Yeah, which is clearly a lot. I'm sure we haven't even begun to tap into it. It's been, yeah. This has been great. Good. Yeah, it has been great. And we really appreciate what you've shared. I think that uh, it's going to be very much a note-taking, listen-to-it-twice type of hour. Um, and really congratulations on you know, all the things that have happened in your career to make you an influencer and to help you to help others you know, around you and, and in the industry and your network. So it was a real, real pleasure to have you on. And we look forward to hearing more about your exploits. Thank you so much. It was nice to meet you all. And anytime you need anything, just just reach out to me. My text, I get them and two other people see them. So we can kind of circle back. And if your viewers want to talk to me or DM me at the Don McKenna group on Instagram, we get back to those really quickly. I'm, I'm happy to uh, share anything with anybody. Very good. Well, thanks, Thank Don. Thank you so much. Sure. Okay. Thanks. Bye, guys. Take, Take care. care. Nice, nice talking with you.